Of course, it is Good Friday, and it is 9 o'clock. And even though, uh, as of late, we've been going over various objections that uh, folks have to the Christian faith, uh, I decided today that we would actually go back to a meditation that I, um, that I wrote some time ago because I think it's very appropriate for, uh, for this day. Um, indeed, Good Friday and Easter are sort of tied in my mind for being the most important days of the entire church year. And uh, there are, uh, there's just no time like it. And so I figured we'd, we'd look at a passage of scripture and then, um, and then talk uh, a little bit about why, why Good Friday happened, why Jesus had to die. I'm going to be reading from Mark 14, verses 17 through 24. It says, And when it was evening, he came with the twelve, and as they were reclining at table and eating, Jesus said, Truly I say to you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. They began to be sorrowful and say to him, one after another, Is it I? He said to them, It is one of the twelve who is dipping bread into the dish with me. For the Son of Man goes as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. And as they were eating, he took bread, and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to them and said, Take, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank of it. And he said to them, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. End of reading. Well, on any given day, uh, or more likely almost every day in my house, somebody makes a mess or somebody breaks something. That just is comes with the territory of raising three boys. And inevitably, when my wife Missy or I discover that something is messy or broken, we are going to ask, or maybe sometimes, fair enough, maybe sometimes yell, who did it? Who's responsible for this? And what is the nearly universal, nearly instinctive response from my boys, from every single one, every time? Not me. I didn't do it. Not me. And then they will proceed to try and point the finger at one of their brothers. I suppose it's it's natural to not want to take the blame or admit it when we have a problem. I mean, even us adults really never grow out of that. We just learn to paper over our issues with euphemisms or more rational sounding excuses. No, no, not me. I'm not abrasive and rude. I'm I'm just honest and tell it like it is. I'm a blunt sort of fellow. No, no, I don't have a drug problem. I just like to party a little bit on the weekends. No, no, not me. I'm not lusting. I'm just appreciating his physique. No, I'm not gossiping. I'm sharing a prayer request. No, no, not me. I'm not greedy. I just appreciate the finer things. And we could go on and on. The point is our natural inclination is to constantly say, not me, not me. In the text we just read, we eavesdrop in on Jesus's last supper. He is, of course, with his 12 closest friends, his disciples, not just for, for any meal, but, but a family Passover meal. And the Passover meal, of course, celebrated God's deliverance of his people, uh, Israel, from the bondage and slavery they were under in Egypt. And at this meal, they will recite the events of the past, but also each time they will have hope for the future. And surely that is where his disciples are at. Uh, because they most definitely believe that any time now Jesus was going to come with 
power in his kingdom. I mean, they'd seen him do miracles. They'd seen him do things that showed that he was powerful. And sure enough, as soon as he kicked out Rome, that they would be given seats of power right next to him. And so it is quite jolting to them when Jesus says, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. Now, of course, today we know the specific betrayer at this table was Judas. But nobody else in that room at the time did know that. And what sticks out to me about the way Mark reports this event is that literally everyone started asking Jesus whether it would be them that did the betraying. Is it I? What does that tell us? That to some extent, every one of them, at this moment of incredible intimacy with Jesus, recognizes a possibility within themselves. That as much as, as they may love their leader, they know deep down it's at least possible they are capable of betraying him. Is it I, the Apostle John says? Truth be told, it, at this moment, it's got to be hard for him to imagine it could be. I mean, his gospel account tells us that during this time in the upper room that he was so close to Jesus that he was literally leaning on his chest or his shoulder. Indeed, he actually refers to himself in his gospel as not John, but the disciple whom Jesus loved. Could it really be me, Lord, that would betray you? Is it I, Thomas asks? But as the others look at him, they must have found it hard to believe it could be. I mean, after all, Thomas had just insisted a few days earlier that they be willing to accompany Jesus even to death if necessary. And then, of course, you, you, have, you have good old Peter. Surely if there was anyone that was going to stick by the side of Jesus that would never betray him, it would be Peter. I mean, he had boasted about doing that very thing many times, swearing allegiance to Jesus, proclaiming that he would never allow anything to happen to him. And we even see evidence of this later that night as the soldiers come out to arrest Jesus and Peter tries to stab one of the soldiers to defend his master. Could it be me, Lord? Is it, is it I? What's interesting is in Mark's account, Jesus doesn't actually give a definitive answer. And I think there's a reason for this. I think that in a sense, even though Jesus is specifically speaking here of G Judas's betrayal, I think he's also wanting us to see that it really could be any of them. After all, the facts are, when everything starts going down later that night, most of the disciples will run for the hills. Peter's going to do it by denying Jesus three times, by even denying he knows him. Is it I? In one sense, the answer to that question for every disciple of Jesus, whether past, present, or future, is always yes. It could really be any of us. And now we get to what the story of Jesus' passion this day calls us to. To stop instinctively declaring, not me, so as to cover ourselves, but to actually allow ourselves the freedom to say, it is I. Could it be that I don't just like to party, but that I actually do have a drug problem? It is I, Lord. Could it be that I'm not just blunt and straightforward, but I actually am rude and abrasive? It is, it is I, Lord. 
could it be that I'm not just being friendly, but that I actually am flirting with someone I shouldn't be? It is I, Lord. One time during communion some years ago, I was not a pastor. I was just a recipient of communion. As the bread and the wine were being passed out, I closed my eyes and began to pray. And as I was praying, I began to imagine the whipping and beating of Jesus before his crucifixion. In my mind, there was a, a small crowd of soldiers standing around Jesus, taunting him and, and mocking him mercilessly. They were spitting on him and kicking him, and one of them was, was whipping him just lash after lash after lash, and it just wouldn't end. And the picture was so vivid in my mind that I, I, I had this tremendous sense of sadness coming over me. And then I realized that the reason I could see the scene so clearly, the reason I could see what Jesus' back looked like from the point of view of the man whipping him is because in this picture in my mind, I was the man whipping him. My hands were crucifying Jesus. It is I, Lord. And yet it is to this crowd of unstable doubters and unreliable followers, including even Judas, people just like you and me, that Jesus will still say, this is my body given for you. I will give up my body for you. I will let them spit at me and mock me and whip me and crucify me all because I want you. To this crowd of doubters and unstable, unreliable followers, people just like you and me, Jesus says, this is my blood of the covenant poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Yes, as they crucify me, I will plead for them and for you before the throne of my Father. Forgive them, for they know not what they do over and over and over again. For you who would run from me, I will give everything to have you. Therefore, to our, is it I, question, the answer screaming out from the cross of Christ on Good Friday is, yes, it is you, but I have a better word. It is I. And I have paid for your betrayal on the cross. I have bled so you don't have to bleed. I have been rejected so you can be accepted. I have been forsaken so you can be brought near. It is finished. I have overcome the world. I have won for you righteousness. And one day we shall feast again. But this time for all eternity. And there will never be any more questions about whether it is I or he or she. We will all sit at the table of our Lord knowing one thing is certain, <laughs> that every single one of us is a forgiven betrayer. Never to have that sin held against us ever again.